You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. Sure. So one of the unique things about the the Florida Trail and, and what makes it unique compared to other national scenic trails is that the the basically the founding document of this trail from when it became a national scenic trail in 1983 is, is our comprehensive plan. It's our guiding document. It basically gives the the management and essentially the jurisdiction to each land manager that the trail crosses through. So the rules and regulations change constantly. So it's different than a lot of the other national scenic trails. And whereas you could be one mile here and one mile up the trail and the rules and regulations are completely different regarding things like camping, things like access to water, things like infrastructure. And when I say infrastructure, I mean design, engineering, permitting. It changes constantly along the trail. So it's that's one of the ways it's one of the reasons the Florida Trail is actually really difficult to manage. That was Jeff Glenn, North Florida Trail Program Manager for the Florida Trail Association. And I'm Misty Ridley-Little, 2011 through hiker and host for the podcast. This is a special month for the podcast as I'm lucky enough to be featuring two FTA representatives giving their perspectives on the Florida Trail. The companion episode to this is Von Tron's episode number 24. Be sure to listen to her episode for additional information. Jeff has extensive background in backpacking and trail work, particularly with his years at the Student Conservation Association, working in the locales from the North Country National Scenic Trail to projects in the Virgin Islands National Park on the island of St. John. Jeff joined the FTA in 2013. His particular section of trail covers areas such as Stephen Foster State Park, Etania Creek State Forest, Ocala National Forest, and the Withlacoochee State Trail, including many other sections and portions of the eastern and western corridors of the FTA. Jeff is heavily involved in coordinating work events and volunteer crews along the Florida Trail, as well as leading training workshops for volunteers to brush up their skills. We cover a lot of ground in this episode, so as I mentioned earlier, be sure to check out Vaughn's episode, but also episode 5 with Abe Christian, another FTA representative and someone who works heavily in Jeff's region as well. Show notes for the episode can be found at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. Now, on to the episode. Okay, um, yeah, so I guess we'll get started. Um, so, nice to meet you, Jeff. <laughs> um, maybe you want to introduce yourself and talk about your hiking background a little bit and then how you came to the FTA and how long you've been there. Great. So, uh, my name is Jeff Glenn. I'm the North Florida Regional Trail Program Manager with the Florida Trail Association, and I've been in this current position since 2013. You know, I was a backpacker from the time I was a teenager. And, and young adult, I spent years traveling the country and the world doing long distance trips, both in the mountains, but also just exploring. Um, it took me a, a, quite a long time to actually make it to school, to, to college. Uh, definitely got there a few years late. And <laughs> while I was there, my now wife introduced me to trail work. You know, I had been studying outdoor recreation and outdoor education, and I was looking for employment in the kind of trip leading world and I had some prospects for these organizations that I felt were basically catering only towards recreation towards kind of more affluent teenagers that could afford to do those trips and I when I found out about trail work I really got passionate about the service aspect of it and especially the conservation side of it so I was immediately drawn towards a summer job with the Student Conservation Association where I I led my first trail crew in the U.S. Virgin Islands. That was in 2006. Mm-hmm. From I was immediately hooked. I fell in love with trail work. I loved the aspect of it. I kind of leaned toward the dirt bag side of life at that point. 
So it was it was a natural fit for me, and it was the perfect fit for being a college student, especially an older college student. And so from 2006 until 2013, I worked for the Student Conservation Association. I led crews all over the country from Alaska to the Virgin Islands, Rocky Mountains, Southeast, Northeast, um, Desert Southwest, just really, really all over the place. And I kind of transitioned into a full-time program manager, trail work position with the SCA in the Allegheny National Forest. And that's where I got my first taste of kind of managing national scenic trails. I worked on the North Country National Scenic Trail for four years, managing a really large SCA program in the Allegheny National Forest. It's really, really wonderful opportunity for me. But that opportunity ended in 2013 because of some funding issues. And I had the opportunity to come down to Florida. My, my wife's family is from the Orlando area. We'd actually been down to backpack the Ocala section in probably 2011. Mm-hmm. And we really loved it. We did the full 72 miles of the Eastern Corridor. Really, really dug it. And I liked I liked North Central Florida a lot from just trips down here to see my mother-in-law's family. And so it was, a, it was a really good fit. And it's just sticking in the National Scenic Trails community seemed like a really good good move for me. And, and that's kind of how I ended up here. And here we are six six years later. I'm in my seventh trail season now in this current position. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you have a, a very extensive background. Um, yeah. I mean, going to the Virgin Islands and working, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I will uh, say that I would go back there. Um, I would go back there and probably just enjoy sitting on the beach more. I, to be honest, even though the Virgin Islands and the Virgin, Virgin Islands National Park is beautiful and I love island culture, the trail work down there was was hard. It was it's really jungly rainforest. Yeah. So imagine the humidity and the heat of Florida, but with doing it in the mountains. So it was it was really challenging. And right. So it was it was unique. It was not 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 my favorite trail crew. I've led a lot, and um, it was good. And it was a, it was my introduction, but I wouldn't rush back right. there. Right. <laughs> um. So where did you grow up? Are you from the East Coast or? I grew up mainly in New York State, but I've lived in just about every state in New England. I've lived in Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, and then Pennsylvania is more the mid-Atlantic. But so I, I've kind of been all over the Northeast. Yeah, right. So I guess when you met your wife, that was kind of your first taste of, of Florida, or did you get a chance to see it before then? When I was a kid, I think I had a grandparent that lived down here, but okay. that was more of the, the the rest of the country's image of Florida, just Disney and beaches. But I think my real taste of Florida wasn't until that first backpacking trip on the Ocala yeah, in right. 2011. Right. So you, you came to Florida, you found this perfect role that suited uh, your background with the Florida Trail Association. Now... What is your role as the North Florida Trail Program Manager? Um, so if, if somebody's listening to this, they're like, you know, they may have a vague idea of what the FTA does. And what is your role in all of this? I wear so many hats on any given day that it's it's like I have many positions. And if we were a larger organization, potentially my job could be broken up into different positions. But basically, you know, to generalize it, I'm a liaison between public and 
the U.S. Forest Service, which is the the, uh, the national administrator for the Florida Trail, and the FTA community of staff and volunteers. So that's that's pretty broad, but there's a lot of different players in there. Um, you know, basically, my job is to coordinate this really large partnership that makes the National Scenic Trail really successful. So, you know, I make sure that the trail is maintained to standard annually, that infrastructure is safe and up to date, that the volunteers are well equipped with tools and equipment. And I, I work hard to reach strategic goals that are set out by the Florida National Scenic Trail Coalition, which is made up of a group of land managers that are stakeholders in the trail. So completing the trail, maintaining standards of not just not just a trail corridor, but um, infrastructure, like I said, which includes bridges, punch-ins, signage, camping, you know, promoting partnerships with educational institutions, with all of the communities that, that are represented in the state of Florida, and also promoting the trail through outreach events and, you know, well-advertised and kind of well-staffed volunteer events. So okay. that's... It's a lot of different stuff, and, you know, we can break out some of the stuff that I do, you know, completing the trail. I know that, we, you know, we can talk a lot about that. There's there's a lot of different things that I do just in that one. Right, right. So, okay, so your section is, is it from Ocala up to, like, the Suwannee? Like, where the Suwannee starts? Is that about where your section is? Yeah, so my section covers both the eastern and the western corridor. So on, on the western corridor, on the southwestern side... I take over at Green Swamp West. Okay, okay. And move up towards, yeah, up towards Dinellan, and then east along the Cross Florida Greenway into the Ocala National Forest, and then all the way to where it meets the 88 store on the northern side of the Ocala National Forest. So on the eastern side, I start, excuse me, at Clearwater Lake Recreation Area, which is the southern boundary of the Ocala National Forest in Paisley, Florida, and then I travel all the way north to, not to where the Suwannee begins, but to where Suwannee River State Park is. I, mm-hmm. I, switch, I switch with the Panhandle Regional Manager in Gibson Park, which is just north of Live Oak. Okay. It's about 400 miles in total. Yeah, wow. So in the, what, seven or so years you've been with, with the Florida Trail, have you been able to, I mean, have you seen the majority of the trail so far, or are you still missing some sections that you haven't been able to get to, but you rely on volunteers to kind of tell you what's going on? I know my region really well. The Western Corridor is still a little bit new to me. My first three years in the job, we had a, a different administrator on the federal level, and the Western Corridor was actually off limits to FTA staff. We weren't allowed to invest our time or any of our budget for materials and supplies or really any kind of volunteer coordination or support. So once that changed, I I really adopted a large additional portion of trail. And as our staffing has changed, I've kind of adopted new sections and we've shifted the boundaries a little bit. So I'm still learning more about, for example, the Withlacoochee State Forest and Green Swamp. But the rest of it, I you can cover a lot of miles in, in, in seven years. And so I, I've gotten to see almost all of it and it's, it's amazing how I can navigate North Central Florida. And I, I've, I've learned it really well. But I, of course, I do rely on volunteers. I have some sections of trail where I'm not really needed. The volunteers more or less handle all of the logistics of taking care of the trail. And then I have regions where we're short on short on trail maintainers and short on people that can feed me information that I need to, to keep the trail 
up to standard. And so it's, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Okay. So with all of these different hats that you're, you wear, I mean, your days and weeks are definitely different, but um, so maybe kind of say during your busy season, what's just kind of a typical week looking like, are you just heavily focused on trail work and maintenance and your down season is more like outreach? How does that, how it figure into your life? Right. So right now I'm, I'm constantly preparing for projects I'm leading projects or I'm cleaning up between different work events. And that's my standard fall and winter every year. Each year, you know, during this time, which, you know, the trail season is really from, say, October 1 until April, I'm probably directly involved with 10 to 12 individual large work events. And even on those projects, I'm wearing a lot of hats. You know, I help with land manager coordination pre-project, and I assist Vaughn, who's our um, community outreach manager with the registration process and recruitment. I purchase food. I lead the crews while I'm out there. I'm camp cook. I'm an equipment mechanic. And I, I really, I, I, I kind of coordinate the projects um, soup to nuts. Wow. You know, and <laughs> historically, I've always been a really heavily field-based person. And I'm actually trying to phase myself out of doing that. You know, it's not uncommon for me to work 60-hour weeks this time of year. But in the past six, you know, six going on seven trail seasons, a lot of the, the volunteer force and the chapters have really grown in their leadership abilities and their technical skills and their ability to run these programs and these volunteer work parties. So I'm actually able to step back. And I think that's just a really it's a sign of success and progress. So I'm, I'm trying to scale back a little bit and, and focus more on some of the administrative stuff. OK, I had always been under the impression that like you said that the volunteers and the uh the local um trail groups were doing a lot of the lift heavy lifting and i didn't realize that there was such a big component to the back end of the fta until obviously in recent years when i started learning a little bit more um so yeah you guys have have done a lot of work and you do <laughs> you do a lot of work in getting uh the coordination and the training and i see you know the photos of these recent work days where you guys are training people how to use the chainsaws and all the tools to get on the trail so it sounds like you are are definitely quite busy yeah but i will say that you know during my non-field season and not not just myself but our whole staff we kind of catch our breath a little bit and you know i still work in the field but typically not with volunteers as much. A lot of our volunteers don't work in the hotter months of the year for, for good reason. And, you know, that's when I'm planning all these trainings that you're talking about. And I'm working on larger scale goals, just gap closure, land acquisition, equipment purchasing and, and repairs and infrastructure planning, everything that it takes to, to run a successful field season. I'm doing it the other six months out of the year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always take the entire month of July off from work. I travel, I spend time with my family, and the truth is I work so much this time of year that I generally don't take a single vacation day for about six months. I'm trying to change that. I, I work so many weekend days, extra weekend days that I, I don't, you know, I can, take a, I can take a day off here and there, but I'm so busy that I generally don't take vacation days until the <laughs> summer. I kind of bank wow. them and then I take a whole month off and get out of Florida for a month. Right, right. Um, okay, so you mentioned the, the closing the gaps and trail uh, trail closures. What are I mean, you have a big chunk, and I can I can think of some big issues in those chunks. But maybe for people unfamiliar with your section, what are some of the bigger 
areas that you're working to close gaps on, maybe some that you've recently closed, and yeah. Since 2015, just just in the North region, we've closed 19 miles of gaps, and so it's this is something I'm really passionate about in my job, and I've been really successful with it in you know in in recent years. It's probably the best example of what a strong partnership can do, and that's really what the FNST is all about, at least from the management side, is a partnership between all of the different players. You know, they're time-consuming, they're complex, and they, they require a lot of cooperation and communication, and it's just a really rewarding part of the job. But I think the biggest successes we've had are, you know, adding Big Shoal State Park to the trail. That closed a five-mile gap in the trail. Recently, we just reopened the trail through Suwannee River State Park. That was another five miles of trail that had been missing mm-hmm. since, I think, 2012. That section of trail all through the Big Oak section, which is really one of the premier hiking spots in the entire region, was closed because of a private landowner dispute. And so mm-hmm. FTA actually recently just purchased a trail easement. It's the, f- the first acquisition that FTA has funded in many years and it, I, I worked on and off on that project for six years. And we finally, we just had our celebratory hike a couple weeks ago on the Big Oak section of Suwannee River State Park. It was just a really, really great event and just a really cool project that we worked on with the Forest Service and also DEP and Suwannee River State Park. And so I'm really proud of that one. And it made a significant impact for the better in, in this region. But four miles in the Ocala National Forest through Hall Creek. Um, you know, and then I will say that a lot of the low-hanging fruit has been picked at this point, and that's kind of what I've been working on. Most of the, I probably think that most of the gaps that are left to be closed in this region are going to be a lot harder and require funding. And mm-hmm. truthfully, that's one of the more difficult parts of the gap closure is lack of funds. It's right. You know, the U.S. Forest Service has always had a huge part in gap closure especially with the acquisition side, it's not easy for them to do it for a variety of reasons. They have funding issues, strict policies and protocols. They only have two staff members right now, um, well, three, two full-time staff members working on on things like acquisition. You know, my hope is that FTA can take on a much larger role. You know, FTA used to have a land trust. It's a not, not a commonly known fact. And FTA used to have a whole acquisition team at that point, uh, you could say that cash was a little bit more available. Right. It's not, not the case anymore. So, uh, you know, this last acquisition project that we did, it was funded by FTA, but with funds provided by a private donor and also Suwannee Bicycle Association. That's a multi-use section of trail. And so my hope is that FTA really picks up the acquisition game and and we can we can do that again. Right. So the note is donate lots of money, folks, <laughs> so we can buy more buy more easements and and corridors. Uh, um, yeah, I know I do know that money is is always the issue when when funding these national scenic trail closures. And I mean, it's obviously, the Florida Trail is not the only one facing this issue. I just wish there was a an easier solution, as I'm sure you do too. Um, I did want to mention uh, the most recent update. I saw that Forever Florida is now switching, I guess, their land management practices. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think that's a bigger issue going into uh, this hiking season. I really only know a little bit in in that regard, but I kind of the, the nature of the regional management program that FTA has is that we kind of stay in our lanes a little bit. 
and and are so focused on what's going on in our regions that I I'm not really familiar with that. I know that the board of of the conservation organization that that manages that property is working closely with the U.S. Forest Service and the FTA to keep the Florida Trail on that property. So even if the ecotourism business closes down, the trail I think is going to be protected in perpetuity. Okay. Okay. I thought you might have an idea of what was going on and I just knew that was a, a new thing. So, um, okay. So you're talking about working with, uh, all the different land managers and, you know, I originally reached out to you cause about the, the O to O corridor. What is your, um, I guess, involvement in that. And I'll be speaking with Susan uh, later this year to get a little bit more information on that. But I guess maybe talk a little bit more in detail about working with with landowners and coordinating with these other agencies and, and things like the Odo Corridor. Sure. So the Odo Corridor is, it stands for Osceola, Ocala and Osceola. And it's one of the major wildlife corridors in the state. And so this is a project that's spearheaded by the North Florida Land Trust, which in recent years has, they've grown to become a really, um, really great partner of ours. The O2O is a really a partnership between all of the different stakeholders in that large corridor. So the NFLT is really kind of the facilitator, but in that you've got the water management districts, you've got Camp Landing, uh, State Park, State Forest, U.S. Forest Service, Nonprofits such as FTA, but also all of the different land trusts that are in there, like Alachua Conservation Trust, Putnam Land Conservancy, of course, the, the North Florida Land Trust, um, Florida Wildlife Corridor. So most of the conservation organizations that are working in the O2O are part of this larger partnership. Um, we meet probably two or three times a year to kind of discuss changes in the corridor, projects that are happening. We share tips, strategies, and goals of each respective organization. Um, it's kind of a it's a networking group um, to talk about issues regarding recreation and wildlife and wildland fire um, and land protection. So a big part of the O2O drive is to continue to protect and build upon the green spaces in that in that zone. And so the North Florida Land Trust and Camp Landing specifically have been able to do a lot of that work. And a lot of the other partners are there to kind of support that project. Um, and, and kind of that's where FTA fits into the O2O partnership. The, the North Florida Land Trust has been really, really eager to kind of build the Florida Trail into their own portfolio of properties, especially in Clay County, which is where um, things like Goldhead Branch State Park and Camp Landing are located. Camp Landing has been providing a lot of funding to, to purchase buffer lands around the military installation. And fortunately for us, us being the Florida Trail, there's there's a lot of lands around Camp Landing that can host the trail. So we're working with the North Florida Land Trust on specific acquisition pieces that will host the Florida Trail. That land trust has already purchased properties in the region that that will host the Florida Trail in the future. We're not quite ready for it yet, but so... There's there's gaps there's future gaps that will be closed in Clay County and North Florida Land Trust is our primary partner in that so that that's that's our main focus with the Odo Corridor is supporting the land trust and doing their work that they're doing because it has a direct benefit towards the National Scenic Trail. Right. Do you think that more of these kind of consortiums 
would be more would be more beneficial in getting some of these closures taken care of. I mean, obviously, conservation lands in Florida and and protecting wildlife corridors and and land is just a bigger issue outside of the Florida Trail in Florida. Um, you know, because people are building trying wanting to build more toll roads and all these other different issues with growth and sprawl. But seeing all of this go with the North Florida Land Trust, do you think that it would be beneficial for the rest of the, the trail to kind of get with other groups to protect the land? Without a doubt. With the way that resources are shrinking in the state of Florida, including budgets, including available land, and the fragmentation of Florida that all of these different conservation groups are facing, the, the way forward is through cooperation, collaboration, and communication. The FNST only works with a really successful partnership, and I see that as probably the best strategy moving forward for all of the other organizations in the state that are working to protect wild Florida. Right. Um, those are all good things to know. <laughs> so I'm going to switch back to what you do on the trail on a daily basis uh, or on a weekly basis, monthly basis, things like the trail work that you're actually doing. What kind of improvements, like putting in new wells and siding, camping opportunities, like what goes into all of that? Because I know a lot of people, like they may be hiking the trail and be like, why aren't there more camping spots here? Or why isn't there a well when, you know, you know, down south, there's a lot of a lot more opportunities for that. What kind of goes into that thinking when you guys are planning the trail and planning these little things for hikers? Sure. So one of the unique things about the, the Florida Trail and, and what makes it unique compared to other national scenic trails is that the the basically the founding document of this trail from when it became a national scenic trail in 1983 is, is our comprehensive plan. It's our guiding document. It basically gives the the management and essentially the jurisdiction to each land manager that the trail crosses through. So the rules and regulations change constantly. So it's different than a lot of the other national scenic trails. And whereas you could be one mile here and one mile up the trail and the rules and regulations are completely different regarding things like camping, things like access to water, things like infrastructure. And when I say infrastructure, I mean design, engineering, permitting. It changes constantly along the trail. So it's it's one of the ways it's one of the reasons the Florida Trail is actually really difficult to manage is that we have a different framework in every every different area of the trail. So, you know, aside from small structures such as punch-ins and, and, you know, small, small bridges, you know, larger infrastructure projects are generally handled by a, a company called Framing Our Community, which is, it's another leg of the FNST stool. So they're, just like FTA is a, essentially a, a partner, a contractor of the U.S. Forest Service, or at least the TRO program is, Framing Our Community acts in, in the same way. And so they do... They do the major infrastructure projects. So, you know, in the North Region, for example, Framing Our Community has built Swift Creek on the Suwannee River, the large boardwalk on the Osceola National Forest. And this season, they have plans to build a new bridge at Devil's Creek, which is in the Withlacoochee State Forest, and major repairs to a suspension bridge in Rice Creek. But other big bridges, Aliqua, Demon Bridge, Sob Choppy, those are in the Panhandle. But the, the major technical bridges are actually built by contractors. And historically, a lot of them were built by FTA volunteers, but engineering standards have changed and they've become more stringent. Some could say they've improved 
as far as safety and the the construction methods that that kind of have been employed. So a lot of the major stuff is, is being built outside of FTA. So vol- FTA volunteers are part of all those projects, but the the leadership and the guidance is coming from an outside source. Okay. But I will say that you know a lot of the smaller stuff FTA is still doing. So so you know as far as going back to that kind of infrastructure. So the punch and work last year was probably FTA received probably the largest grant we've ever gotten, which we received fifty thousand dollars from the National Forest Foundation to rebuild over 9,000 board feet of punch-in on the Western corridor of the Ocala National Forest. That was a major undertaking from the 2018 season. It's probably been a highlight, it was certainly a highlight of the trail season, but if not the highlight of the past six years for me. It was such a large project that we hired a a project manager because I was not able to be there enough to do it. Mm. It took probably a month straight of work and the the work was brutal. It was extremely challenging. But we had probably almost 50 volunteers come out. We had a really, really amazing experience, and it significantly improved the trail. The entire western quarter of the Ocala has gotten a real facelift in recent years. And I'll I'll segue that into, you know, infrastructure also means signage. Over the past probably five or six years, we've gotten a lot of financial support from REI Mm -hmm. and from, from the Jacksonville store. And I was able to sponsor four Eagle Scout projects to re-sign all 92 miles of the Ocala National Forest, that's the eastern and the western corridor, plus the 21 miles on the Osceola National Forest. And those are serious undertakings that were really done by high school students. And so, you know, part of my job is to make sure not just that bridges and boardwalks and puncheons are safe and in the right locations, but also that the trail is well marked and, and, it's a great that's those are signage projects are great for Eagle Scouts, which I really enjoy working with the Scouts. We've been doing a lot of kiosk work across the region and we are doing that across the state. The Forest Service has completed a, a basically a standard kiosk design, which um, we've been we've been putting up all over. And so we've been doing a lot of that work on on the Ocala National Forest as well. OK, OK. Yeah, that's definitely sounds like great improvements uh, to the trail. And I remember talking to um, talking to Abe last year about the punch-in, and he was really he was really excited about that project. And so when I actually saw the work getting done and the final project, uh, it's, it looks really good. It makes me want to go out there and hike it. So yeah, Abe. So Abe was our project manager, and you know Abe has been an incredible asset to the FTA. He's he's an extremely hard worker. He's a fantastic leader. He's, you know, he's someone to admire, and we are, we're really fortunate to have him on our staff. Right. So, all, you know, you do all of this field work, and I know you do a little bit of all the administrative stuff, and but also you write for the footprint as well. And I, I was talking to Vaughn about her, her aspect of writing on the footprint, but maybe you could talk about, you know, your, your aspect of what you participate in on writing your articles and how you come up with ideas and the interesting people you meet to, to highlight. You know, there's no shortage of articles to write about, you know, it's, it's amazing. We basically work in a field so rich in stories stories about people and stories about place and stories about nature and stories about art that there's always something really fun to write about. And I, I, I enjoy writing and I enjoy the subject matter. It's just a perfect fit. And so I, you know, our staff has been 
um, basically we're kind of mandated to write an article, at least at least one for each footprint article. Okay. And so it kind of not forces us, but it, it, it kind of we we seek out the interesting stories. And I mean, other, other than saying you know we we do our best, there's not much more to say. You know, the, the subject matter speaks for itself. How could we not write good articles about something as cool? And exciting and beautiful is what we, you know, this resource that we're working to to promote and protect. Right, right, of course. Going back to your section of trail, what, because um, it sounds like you've gotten to know it pretty intimately, what are some of the best sections in your region? And um, have you had a chance to explore much outside of your region? There's so many excellent opportunities to get outside and hike in my region. And I'm definitely biased, but I, I think my region is the best in the state. That's <laughs> um, just my own personal feeling. But, you know, in terms of long distance backpacking, um, you know, the diversity of eco communities, choice of day hikes, water bodies, et cetera. I, I think the north is just a fantastic place. You know, just on the Ocala National Forest, there's 92 miles of roadless hiking. And that doesn't exist anywhere else on the National Scenic Trail. That's why the Ocala is the number one destination for overnight use in the state on the trail. You know, the Suwannee has more than 50 miles of riverfront trail that also is not found really anywhere else in the state. So for backpacking, those are the biggest draws that we that we get for long overnight sections, you know, for multiple day trips. But as far as day hiking goes, you know, I always send people to Rice Creek Conservation Area. It kind of fits the 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 natural, the cultural, and the historical side of, of the trail. It's it's a really, really special place. Um, Goldhead Branch State Park, which is not too far from Rice Creek. Goldhead's really diverse, and kind of like some other places in North Central Florida, it has a deep ravine where the plant community completely changes, the weather and the climate completely change. It has a spring, but then you get back up into high elevation Longleaf pine wiregrass ecosystem, and it's the goldhead's really diverse, and it's just and the lakes. It's a really stunning place to go for a hike. I've been to Big Cypress probably four times now, and it's a really special place to go down. You know, even though I'm working my butt off probably for about ten days in a row, I still consider it a vacation for me. <laughs> and so I, I like I like it a lot, but I'm kind of. You know, I, I kind of stay in my lane in this region, and I, I don't get out very much. You know, now that we have Abe on our staff as, as a technical advisor, he's able to travel to go to a lot of the projects where they need assistance. I really, I, you know, I want to make it down to Kissimmee Prairie. It's it's on my list. I've never been down there. I want to go see, you know, the old cattle ranch. I want to go stargazing. I want to go camp out in the Oaks. I, I've heard so much about it, and it's it's probably next on my list for kind of personal travel. Yeah, it kind of has a cult following and I, I've been impressed with how many people are now interested in going there because when I was going, when I lived in Florida um, in the 2000s, it was definitely a quiet place. I mean, there was a few people camping, but it was not busy <laughs> and I still don't think it's super busy, but there's definitely more of a I have an interest in visiting that and it's, it's a gorgeous place. So if you do get down there, I think you're going to, I think you're going to love it. Do you have any upcoming uh, projects or um, training classes? I think you said you have a lot going on in the next few months, but anything you'd like to share for people that might want to get involved? You know, from October to April, there's so many projects 
not just in this region, but in the North region or in the, in the Panhandle region, the Central South region. I just encourage people to go to our website, floridatrail.org, and click on the Volunteer Opportunities tab to see the list of projects. Our training season, we just had a large chainsaw training two weeks ago, and we don't have any other trainings on the schedule right now. Right now, we're solely focused on the maintenance side of it. Sometimes we'll, we'll have a second chainsaw training in the spring, but not until September um, will we have any large training. So that's when we have our, our uh, trail skills training where we offer wilderness first aid to our returning volunteers that have shown basically a lot of effort into into the, the program. And then we also do a technical track, which is really designed for new volunteers to learn about the Florida Trail, learn tools of the trail and and leadership skills so that they can go out and become not only trail workers, but eventually, you know, work on their leadership and kind of really take a strong role in our trail program. Okay. And lastly, um, I know you have a, you have at least one child. Um, how do you incorporate what you do with your family life? I know you've had this extensive background in trail work and being outside. Are you guys camping and enjoying nature and getting, and getting uh, your family out and involved in that? Or is it something that you kind of have separate it's kind of funny. Basically, we've been camping. We've been living outside for two years. We're building a homestead right now in Alachua okay. County. And we have a, a house under construction and has been under construction. So we, we basically have been, you know, in a trailer on our property with a house under construction. And so it, there's there's a really thin line between you know, outside and inside at this point, which is great. And that's mm-hmm. the way that I want to raise my kids. You know, the natural world is, it's incredible, incredibly prevalent in, in our lives and the lives of my kids. You know, when I started FTA, I had no children. My wife was pregnant when, when we moved down here, but they've grown up around this community of people now that, that have kind of watched them grow, you know, six years now, at least from, from my, and I do have two kids. I have a, a six-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. Okay. And and a lot of the volunteers and our you know our staff they've kind of grown up with my kids, and my kids have really kind of learned to love our community members and really enjoy the Florida Trail. They know all about the Florida Trail, of course. You know they don't come to work with me very often. I'm always I'm really busy, and I'm working with tools that I don't want them yeah. to be around. <laughs> yeah. So they do, they do come out to to some of our you know festivals and events like the film festival like our conferences they do come to those and they have been to some of our infrastructure projects things like that where there's a large base camp and it's kind of more set up for family life but when they get older i I do plan on bringing them out and and actually putting tools in their hands and 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 really teaching them the trade from a young age it's kind of a, a big goal of mine yeah that would be exciting to be able to grow up in that environment and uh yeah to see to see the trail and see florida from that perspective so that's great that you're doing that um do you have lastly i guess kind of to wind down a little bit do you have any advice for hikers coming through your section of trail do you have any tips for through hikers in particular because through hiking season is coming up but uh, i know you already told kind of your favorite places but uh any any secret spots people should camp or any other things like that Oh, they'll have to find those secret spots on their own. Oh. <laughs> I will say that 
a lot of the through hikers that make it up here, they freeze their tails off because I think they underestimate winter in Florida, in North Florida. And so a lot of through hikers are not prepared for that. So I just be prepared with warm weather gear. It's the middle of October and it was 53 degrees this morning. You know, that's not cold, but a 35 degree morning in January when it's 75% humidity will just about freeze even the hardiest through hiker. And so that's, I feel like a lot of through hikers that I talk to, that's kind of the biggest shock that they get when they, when they make it this far North. Right. Yeah. It's one thing when you go down South and you feel like it's shorts weather all the time and then you move up there and you realize you're wearing your fleece all the time. So yeah. yeah. Well, um, do you have any other final thoughts and maybe, I don't know if you're on social media at all, but if you're, if you're not, that's fine. Um, just, just highlight anything else you want to, that you do or the Florida Trail Association does and uh, just direct people, I guess, anywhere on social media. <laughs> cool. No, I, I don't, I don't, I, I tend to shy away from the social media thing, but I will, I do want to uh, mention some of the work that, um, that I've been doing and that, that the FTA has been doing with the Ocala National Forest and Juniper Prairie Wilderness and because it's kind of been a hot hot topic the past couple of years and so we've had a lot of encounters with bears in the juniper prairie wilderness so hidden pond is not so hidden anymore it's a it's a spring-fed pond in the middle of juniper prairie wilderness which is one of the only wildernesses in the state and it's a really remarkable section of trail it's 10 miles so hidden pond is the number one destination for overnight travel on the entire florida trail just one one area sees more overnight use than any other location in the state at least on the florida on the florida trail so it's it's being loved to death and with that many people comes the responsibility of of users to practice leave no trace and and clearly with that many people there's going to be a lack thereof a, a lack of education and so that that kind of lack of education has caused some encounters with wildlife that has forced the closure of juniper prairie wilderness not just the trail but the entire wilderness and it's happened once for the past i think three years now this past season it was closed for a month and then there was a two-week moratorium on camping even after the wilderness had opened and so fta and the forest service are working really closely to kind of actively manage that it's it's not easy because it's a wilderness. We are bound by federal law in what we can and what we can't do as far as management of that problem. But I do want people to know that FTA is working really hard. So right now, as of a couple of weeks ago, there are free bear canisters that are available for rent at a local outfitter, which is the Buck and Bass, which is in Salt Springs. So kind of on the northern side of the forest. And canisters are available for free. They were funded by the US Forest Service um, the program is being sponsored by FTA and the Forest Service. In the spring, more canisters will be available at Juniper Springs Recreation Area, so the southern border of the wilderness. And also educational kiosks are being funded by REI at all of the three different wilderness portals, so Pat's Island, the Yearling Trail, and Juniper Springs. And so we're, we're working on promoting Leave No Trace, and we are actively working with the Forest Service to have wilderness stewards doing educational outreach on the ground and Forest Service staff doing um, kind of basically enforcement, which is has been lacking. And so it's just a, it's a big program and that we're actively working on. And the bear cancer thing is, is really exciting. We're, we're glad it took us a couple of years to kind of develop the program, get the funding and figure the logistics out. But 
Um, those canisters are, are available. You can call the Buck and Bass. You can find them on, online. You can call them and reserve your canister for free. Okay. So how would that work if you're a thru-hiker? Um, it probably wouldn't work so well because they're not going to be able to get it back to that store, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it would be tough. You'd have to, you know, in the future, maybe there's going to be a way to where you can pick it up at one location and drop it off at another. But okay. we're not we're not we're not there yet. The canisters are not available at the southern terminus yet. They will be probably in March. OK. OK, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and for um, enlightening me and everybody else about what you do and your aspect of your work on the Florida Trail Association. I think um, it's very valuable what you guys are, are working towards. And I, I know that I appreciate all the hard work that goes into getting the Florida Trail into uh, shape every year and keeping it uh, maintained and, and all the work you guys do to try to close those gaps. So thank you so much for, for, for me and I'm sure for, for everybody else. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Misty. And, and I love the podcast and, and thanks for doing what you do. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. You can find the podcast at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com as well as on Instagram at orangeblazepodcast. If you have a few minutes, could you leave a rating and review on iTunes? If that is your primary listening source, I would greatly appreciate it. All right. Until next time, happy hiking.